0: Hello everybody, I'm going to talk more about Jesus and about the well Western European Levitical Patriarchism. Surely they're dominating women, they're dominating men, mean men, Pharisees, and every race. But we're going to focus on those that I really feel like Apostle Paul would openly rebuke. Because there's no reason to say that you're a Christian. A born-again Christian, a ministry, a leader, a father, a parent, a pastor, fivefold office, male or female, and represent an accuser. There's a difference between being a, an assessor. That means you check them out, you evaluate them. That's right. You need to do that. Sometimes you need to be strong. But then you have to know in your spirit and your soul as a man or a woman when you slide over into accusation. That would include leader gossip. Backbiting, having no backbone—that means you would rather talk all about people, chew them out to everybody else in ministry, but you're too cowardly to go up front confront them. I learned a lot in my observations, interactions, and being—I guess—a character assassinated by whelp. You can see the through the years because I wasn't raised around it. It's a charismatic. Prophetic tongue-talking doctrine. I wasn't raised that way, thank God. It's back under the law. So we're trying to make people who are curious about the Holy Spirit aware. Because it was not until I got into the deep moves of God, the worship and everything, that I found the whelp was also part of it. And it has to do with covering spiritual authority. One of the things I think is, I have to look at Jesus for myself. If I think, you know, what's the spirit of prophecy like? Is it supposed to be like pointing the finger, Pharisees, jumping people in public, smearing their name, thinking that they're the overseer and everybody's under them to wait on them? You know, maybe that's in the Old Testament and in the Pharisees, but it's not in Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 comes to mind as the prophet. It says, In the former days, God spoke in various manners through the prophets to the fathers. That's Hebrews, the Hebrew people, the nation, because nobody could invite Jesus into their heart, hear the Holy Spirit for themselves. So God chose certain offices that we know about, that we read about from Noah to Jeremiah to Habakkuk to all these different ones that would get the word of the Lord, Isaiah, and deliver it to the leaders of the day, God's people. However, Hebrews 1 and 2 says, But in now, in these days, that's New Testament Christian church times, God speaks to us through His Son. His Son was the Messiah, but when I look at the Messiah in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, it said the Messiah would come with all of God's seven spirits, like the book of Acts, but no ego. He would delight himself in the fear of the Lord, and with all those seven spirits and the fear of the Lord, he'd be sharp of perception, like a prophet, accurate prophet. However, it said he would not judge by the sight of his eyes nor make decisions based on what he heard. He wouldn't be an accuser judge. He'd be a watcher, but he wouldn't be a sensefire, a snoop. He wouldn't pervert his prophetic prowess by projecting projecting evil or you know trying to be prurient that means voyeuristic with his gift he wouldn't be a backbiter he wouldn't accept the evil report he wouldn't stand for gossip in his ministry so my goal is to say let's have that kind of spirit of prophecy in the new testament that acts like the messiah who would not judge by the sight of his eyes or abuse his gift Revelation 19.10 also says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we want to look at the testimony of Jesus, and we can do that, how he acted and reacted in all his relationships when he was alive, excuse me, on earth in ministry around town planning the Christian ministry, not famous at the time, viewed more as a troublemaker, an insurrection Grassroots, rabble rouser, not popular, a maverick, written off, probably discouraged a lot of the times. But anyway, let's look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when he was alive and say, let's look at his relationships, everyone, how he acted, interacted, did he gossip, did he set up watchers to watch out for Queen Jezebel's. I always think the opposite. I think, you know, Jesus was such a man filled with God's power. He I mean, if he saw Jezebel's spirit or ten of them coming down the road, he'd just bind it or cast it out. And with the woman caught in adultery, man, all those men brought him up, want Jesus to stone that woman. All those Pharisees. Where's the man? That's the thing about Jesus. He didn't accuse them, only the Pharisees. And they had a big thing about women. They have aught against women, the LPs. So they only brought the woman caught in adultery, And they only brought the woman. They didn't bring the man equal. So Jesus waited to hear what God wanted him to say. And he said to the men who brought her, the Pharisees, Well, which one of you has the no sin? You be the first one that cast the first stone. Because they wanted to get the victory, get him to join stoning her. They enjoyed things like that. But instead he said, You cast the first stone who's never lusted, never committed adultery, never... Sin never did anything he shouldn't. And none of them, they were all convicted and they slunk away. I also like to think about Jesus when he was seen alone, the single minister, head of the movement, standing out in public talking to the Samaritan lady who would had four or five husbands. Everybody knew she was notorious and lust laden. And there's Jesus putting his reputation on the line. All the disciples had gone off to get food. Well, here come the disciples, and this is what I love about those disciples, Jesus' ministers. They were no-guile ministers. They come around the corner and they see Jesus. They spy Jesus talking to the sin-filled lady with her bad, notorious reputation, known for her lust. Surely she had demons of lust, unclean spirits. But instead of... Saying something like, holier than thou and self righteous, Jesus, let not your good be evil spoken of, seen with that notorious woman. You're going to hurt our reputation and yours. They didn't say anything. It says they marveled, they were surprised, but they didn't say anything because they were pure and holy. Now, Jesus, today, he could, why would he be sent alone to this female? Why could he be sent alone? All right, because he had no lust devils, he wouldn't be tempted. How could it be sent to the notorious Mary Magdalene who had seven devils and he cast them out? Well, that's the reason he cast them out, he was not tempted by those devils like a lot of men. So, we have to know that with Phariseeism is hypocrisy, but it's also holier than thou pride. What I like is that, you know, if in my opinion. And I'm submitting this. If a man knows that he's weak around women, that he has had temptation, he shouldn't be sent to women. But if a man has a clean conscience and he has, you know, and there's a balance on that. You don't do it in private. But I think there should be no fear of women. You know, the Bible says fear of man brings a snare. Well, so does fear of women, fear of Jezebel's. It is my opinion because I never grew up around that teaching. I was Baptist, Christian, Presbyterian, that type of normal people. I think that comes down from the old piney woods back in the day of the country preacher and I hate to say it a little clueless about women. Maybe he was bitter against his wife, somebody broke his you know broke off an engagement, maybe just was angry with women, or maybe he got it passed down that you know, the old vixen seducer that old honey trap that old painted woman that old lore the legend of jezebel because it's so bad in the fields where i have come through in the last 20 years 30 years when i never heard of that but when my from my father was a pastor anybody in my family in my extended family was like that I have to go back to the root of the culture in which they were brought up and raised in ministry and maybe in life. You have to get over it and be more sophisticated. And you have to think, you know, are all women Jezebels? Are they all women Jezebels? No. Maybe the deception of Eve, the woman named Jezebel in Second Kings 16 and Jezebel, Tyra, Tyra is in the female but you know what? Maybe they have a tendency, but not all are like that. They're tough, immovable, false teachers as well that teach the false thing, like the Jezebel. So I study Jezebel. All right, Second Kings sixteen, and it said, I hope it's it's either First or Second Kings where he talks about Omri was the worst Baal worshiper of all the kings of Israel, in the nation of Israel, kings. Well, he has this baby boy, a son named Ahab. The lore out on the field in the church is the poor, weak Ahab. He was henpecked by that mean, demonic Jezebel hussy, the horrible, bossy queen dominating Jezebel. Well, if I read that correctly, which I did, it says that Omri had Ahab. Ahab was even worse a Baal worshiper than his father. He was so bad that even though he he was raised under the law, he knew the law, do not marry, intermarry with someone not of the Hebrew faith. He went over intentionally and willfully, artfully, asked and invited the daughter, the demon-possessed, heathen daughter of King Ethbaal to be his bride. No wonder she was a handful. No wonder she had demonic problems. And no wonder he... Yeah, maybe, but he invited her. He didn't have to. And after he had married her, he could have said, no, I'm going to kick her out but to please God, but he didn't. So that's why they were the dynamic, damnable duo, because of that. And that's why the females out in the field of, you know, historically since by many tribes that teach this stuff, they all get it that it's only women, and that all women who look a certain way that are pretty or strong or whatever, or like their mama, or Jezebels. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, hate to say it, fellas, but if you look at when the accuser, if you think all women are only women or Jezebels, look at the word accuser. It's only in the male term, and it's only mentioned twice in Genesis 3, Satan the accuser, and then in Revelation 12, 7-11, the accuser being cast down, that we can overcome him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It is about him, but what I teach that all male authorities, all men are accusers, no. But I know that God made man first; He had chain of command in mind, and that He counts on fathers and pastors and pure-hearted males to lead, in the Christian sense, Christian community. So therefore, be careful, men, more with your words and your choice of words and your tone of voice, because you've been entrusted with this power, God's power, anointing, but it can be used the opposite. Don't you know that most males are, that if you have an abusive, lot of people that are abusers, that most of them that do the worst damage are the male, because their tongue has got the call to do what's right. To assess, but not accuse, and yet they've gotten given it over to the carnal flesh or the devil. Not all men are accusers, all right, but not all females are Jezebels. But there can be a tendency more to the male to be an accuser, gossip bite. That's why I have to talk so strong, because whelp are men, leader men, that seem to want to call people, not confront. Not Matthew 18, respect them and confront. Not Galatians 6, humbly confront. They want to do it and talk about people at the grassroots level in an area region fellowship and do harm to Jesus' name. Accuse people that are trying to go to church that already have a lot of problems because of fault-finding or religious rules. So, they're good people that have got false doctrine. Phariseeism, to me, comes from false doctrine and pride. And also, the love of money. Those are my findings. I submit it to you as a sila, not dogma. So we're trying to help people out. There's so many good men. I mean, I really am grateful for the good men. There's so many honest men. Think of my dad, who is a no-guile leader. He would never do anything like that. He would never disrespect females. Never get on this. He was always the most respectful person to all ages and races and colors and creeds and so kind. That wants me to be like that. Makes me want to be like that. All right, let's look at the second, the only other place where Jezebel is mentioned in the Bible. And that is Revelation 2. I think it's 19. And it says that the lampstand of the church of Thyatira was in hot water with the Holy Spirit. The letter says, Why do you tolerate that Jezebel, the false teacher lady, who teaches that fornication is okay and that eating food offered to idols is okay? And the Lord is rebuking and fussing at the leader who's the pastor who was a male back then. He's not fussing at the Jezebel, even though all the lore, the legends, the urban legends, and the new breed that teach the same thing are thinking that. It's they said, "Oh, that poor man, poor man, that dominating Jezebel." But really, it was the Lord rebuking the male, the head of the home—I mean, the head of the church—for being too weak in character to go up front confront her. So we want to get these things right today because it's not, it is not legalistic unless you want it to be that way in your group, unless you prefer legalism. Today there are female leaders and preachers and all sorts of apostles and all sorts of pastors that are females. So a female pastor, leader, or layperson, business person may have to deal with a controller who could be a female or a male. It could be a Jezebel spirit. And in my case, the reason I teach on whelp is because it has been used to try to control me, to corral me, to hold me back, to withstand me, to ruin my name. See Ode to Whelp at top of online fellowship that will explain it, what what happens with that spirit. But because it's been so controlling, it will try to block you it will try to avoid you it'll try to keep you lassoed and under it and it will not want to have any relationship it will only want to use control or it's people that's under them to control and because it is a controlling doctrine in my teaching here i name it as a jezebel they're always looking for jezebels accusing people character assassinating never confronting around the East Coast and the Deep South and all around America. And so I'm saying that I confront the whelp spirit, Western European Levitical Patriarchism, as shepherding, as controlling spirit, which is a religious demonic spirit, false teaching, and a Jezebel. I call it the Queen Jezebel that they're so eager to pin... (laughs) The The whelp spirit is the same Jezebel spirit that they're so readily calling so many and naming people as Jezebels, talking about them, putting doubts. And I had somebody that, the reason I know is that uh, I know this so well, I've been literally attacked. And so I had somebody jump me in Virginia in 19... 19- 96 at a March for Jesus. They didn't confront me. They could have spoken to me. They accused me of all sorts of things in public in front of all these people. They were Pharisees. They were not submitted. These were the whelp people when I first started to discover whelp. And I had been through abuse the day before, and they they'd used the time. The whelp spirit hits you when you're in a weak position. So I had somebody witness it, a friend who was with me at the March for Jesus, but later when i recovered because i'd been abused the day before and it was so it took all the stew out of me frankly it was such a spiritual attack enormous attack by a really autocratic big mouth person leader so after i've recuperated while i made an appointment to go see this pharisee and politely confront him but he was so haughty and so full of this negative energy just sort of a demonic presence that I, I I didn't have any energy. I just sort of tried to say something, but he was so like a stone wall. I just quit. I just had to leave. So I went. That's when I started going to other places outside the area in North Carolina and getting in the spirit and learning in the spirit of prophecy. It was much better. wholesome. When that Pharisee spirit So seven years later, I thought, you know, they've grown, I've grown. I went to a meeting at one of their friends, not this person. I have never really had to talk with him. I never needed to again. He showed his colors. But the group that were Pharisees together, I knew they gossiped about me. I knew my name was ruined. I knew that, you know, I was looked on down on his out of order and rebellion because that's their teaching see the ode to whelp that's the kind of thing i was going through so i had a board nobody wanted to think you know, they all think you know the whelps look at you far away and they think she's out of order she's not submitted because we say so i had a board and all these people spending my life my husband's permission all this stuff that if they had had a relationship were pure-hearted they would have known so seven years later, I think, you know, this famous intercessor is going to be at this church, which is one of the group, the head group that does this. But I've grown. I'm not afraid. I'm not hurt by any of this. I, I'm mature. So I go the first night to this meeting with this older female that they would recognize, a pastor's wife, a famous, you know, in the area of pastor's wife, who's Pentecostal. So I went and sat in the audience and I saw... It was so good, I thought the next night I'll go again. They beamed at me, they looked polite, everything was fine. So I go back again alone, and that's what happens, the Spirit wants to get you alone. So I go back there, I'm sitting, and I see one of his, the groups, the pastor's deacons, and she is a female, and one I've talked to on the phone because she had cancer and i really had faith for her to be healed so after the meeting i was sitting there chatting with her about her can you know saying i'd pray for her being loving when the pastor's wife comes over and summons me and says you've got to get you know you're something you're out of order you've got to go see the pastor so i went to see the pastor who was short i'm tall he's short so all of a sudden he says and this is why i know i was gossiped about he says And see, people want to throw their weight around. Why don't they talk to me natural? I'm very easily entreated in James 3.17. It's so ridiculous. This is foolishness to have things going on in the name of the Lord in ministry, Christians. So I'm calm, and I thought he's going to say hi because he'd smiled at me the night before. Instead, he (laughs) he starts to say You're a Jezebel. All the pastors of the area say you're a Jezebel and a witch. And he started to walk me out. You're never to come back here again. And I was like dumbfounded because I was mature and I knew I wasn't. And I thought, these people, I know all these pastors you don't even know. You have no clue of a board. He said, You're out from under authority. That's their big thing. And I went, I have pastors, I have board. It didn't matter. He didn't care. So he ushers me out and he's like five foot two. So I go out being dumbfounded, but not hurt. I'm checking my heart. What am I thinking? So I look down and I, you know, because he's accusing me that all these people know I'm this evil person. And I thought, man, I'm gossiped about. They're all chatting about me. They never talk to me in person, not a one. I believe in being upfront. They can ask me anything. Ask me anything. I'll tell you the truth. I've always been like that. So this is an illustration of how the spirit operates. So I he grabs somebody else to help him or escort me off the premises, and this other guy's their deacon is five foot one. This guy's five foot (laughs) and I'm five foot ten. So I look down at both of them, and as I go out into the sunset, well it's really dark by then after the meeting, I I say, as they say bid me adieu, banning me from the property. I I look down and I say, you know what? The wisdom of God is, first of all, pure, peaceful, and easily entreated. And I'm all three. And then I quietly left. So I got in my mom van I had at the time, my dark green mom van. And I was like, I can't believe what I heard. I was dumbfounded. I was shocked. So I went home and told my husband, the father of my children, and he, he really didn't like them anyway. And he said, and he's trying to be on my team. He's very nice. He says, well, I told you that they're a cult. Don't go there. You know, and he never had told me not to go there. He had never told me, you know, but I know he didn't like <laughs> moving in the spirit either. <laughs> so I thought, oh, he's so sweet to be on my team. Well, I thought, you know, with that kind of being tossed out the left foot of fellowship, oh, my stars, it's horrible. So I... Wanted to make sure my heart was right or what happened, I needed to tell all five people that I was accountable to. Not accountable to, but accountable to. All right. So I called each one up, black and white, every soul. They didn't even know each other, but I told them what happened. And here's what they all told me. They all said, Tavo, we're so proud of you, you're not hurt. And I thought the same thing. I thought, yes, seven years ago, the first jump at the march for Jesus almost killed me because it was so demonic. And I forgave them, but it still hurt afterwards. Long It was like embedded spirit evil. Well, this time I went, oh, thank God. I was grown up and seasoned and I just forgave him and moved on. But I cannot help but want to tell you, this is why I talk and teach about Whelp, because it is if it happens to me, what is going on with all these other people? I'd met 30 people alone. That other one that jumped me (laughs) had uh, done the same thing, basically. And one man, mostly all white females. All right, to make a very humorous and happy ending to this, because I got to close. I move later, I move out in two thousand four, this is two thousand three, in two thousand five I was out in Fort Worth at a pastor's conference, and it was a very nice gathering, and I was there in Texas, moved away. So I look at the back two seats back behind me at the pastor's gathering was the five foot one inch man, you kick me out that the pastor asked to help escort me out, the deacon, his deacon or whatever. And I went, oh, my stars. What do I do, Lord? There he is. It's sort of odd. It's sort of embarrassing, yet I'm not ashamed at all. I didn't do anything. I thought, what do I do? So the new Tavo, the bold one, just thought, I'm going to go over and say hello to him and his wife. Because they both recognized me, it turned out, and I saw them. So I went over there and said, hi, do you recognize me? I looked down. They're real nice people. And they, I said, do you re- remember me? They said, oh, yeah. But guess what? I said, what? They said, two weeks after he kicked you out, he kicked us out, too. <laughs> so I just got to share. It ain't all that bad. But whelp. Stands for Western European Levitical Patriarchism, but it has that anachronism because it really does hurt. Whelp is like a wound; it soul wounds, emotionally wounds, spiritually wounds, and it ruins your reputation of many people. Like I say, go back to Ode to WELP for the characteristics of that fruit, the relationship destroying evil fruit of whelp. The people forgive them. We forgave them, but you better be careful about that spirit. And it is in the spirit of prophecy moving in the gifts many times. God bless you and have a great day. This is Tavo DiArce signing off for now. Please pray for me and this ministry. We're expanding. We feel a real leader expanding. We need people to pray on our support. Be a support and also just believe God for a huge van that I can go out and minister and speak to the Christians to see if they're really saved and then they say they're born again. That's true. God bless you. Have a great day. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now. Bye-bye.